0: Well, a few weeks ago during bedtime with my daughter, Noble, we were reading from her Bible app for kids, Story Bible. And uh, that night we read the Acts story of the man who had been lame for his entire life and who was healed and made well and was able to walk um, at the the mention of Jesus' name. But at the end of it, um, it was, it's a really incredible story, but at the end of it, Noble was a little bit confused. She was a little bit confused. She asked, "How did he go from not being able to walk to being able to walk? Like, how did he get better? What happened?" And and so I answered with an answer that I knew would bring another question because I actually wanted to have this discussion with her. I said, "Well, I said he he was healed, which I knew would lead to the follow up question: What's healed?" what's healed? "What? What's what's healed, daddy? What's healed? And so it's an interesting thing to try to explain as, as a pastor, to try to explain healing on a level that a four-year-old would understand. So I thought for a second, I said, well, no, well, you know how sometimes you fall off of a chair. Now please don't judge me. Please don't judge us as parents on, the, on on this question. I said you know how sometimes you fall off of a chair and you hit your head and you start, you end up with a bump and a bruise on your on your head. And now like again, please, please don't judge on, on on that. Our daughter is is accident prone and she has this tendency to fall off of chairs and hit her head. And our whole house is tiled. Our whole downstairs is tiled. So when she hits her head, it's not like oh well that was cute. It's like. Oh no! Do we need to take her to the hospital? And so I, you know, I said, Do you do you, remember, do you know do you know how that happens? And she responded with, Yeah, sometimes I fall off of my chair and I bump my head and I cry and I cry and I cry and I cry and then mommy brings me a boo boo ice and I put it on my head and then I don't feel bad unless I fall again and I have a and I get a bump. I'm like, Okay. It's it's the, the perfect four year old response to that kind of question. So she responded with this big long answer, you know, and and so I said, the conversation is actually is actually playing out really really beautifully to help understand what healing was. And so I said, well, you know, when you put the ice on your head and it feels better, and she goes, that's healing. I said, no, that's not healing. Yeah, I, I said, when you're, it, it feels better, but that's not healing. You actually haven't been made well when you when you still have a boo boo and a and a bruise there when you still have a bump and you still have a bruise like that's not healing. Healing, I said, is imagine if you got that bump and we prayed for you and the bump and the bruise instantly went away. She said, that's healing? That's amazing. And I said, yeah, baby, every time God makes us well, that's healing. Every time God makes us well, that's Healing. And here's the truth that I want to help us understand throughout this series. Here's the truth that I want us to understand and take away from this series. For every one of our hurts, God is our healer. For every one of our hurts, God is our healer. And I say every one of our hurts because let's be honest, life is full of all kinds of hurt. Like life is full of all kinds of pain. Life is full of all kinds of brokenness. Life is full of moments that leave us knowing that something is wrong, but we don't know exactly how to fix what's wrong. And no matter how hard we try, we can't seem to make it well ourselves or make it better by Ourselves. For some, let's be honest, this is physical hurt. It can be physical hurt. There's pain, there's disease, there's something that's gone wrong in our body, and for whatever reason, it never really got. Better for some of you, there's that lingering injury that never really got healed properly. For some, for some, it maybe happened last week, and you've been to the doctor, and they told you that you're looking at six months of recovery time in order for that injury to get well. Some of you, you got COVID, and you're de- still dealing with side effects a year later, or six months later, or six weeks later, and you're exhausted, and you're going like, where, like, what happened? How is this still going on? Others of you, you've gotten a diagnosis that was never, that was unexpected, or someone that you love got a. Di- diagnosis that you didn't see coming. Some of you have dealt with migraines that just cripple you, and there's no real clear path forward. Life is full and can be full of physical hurt. But you know, like I know, that life is full of hurts that go beyond the physical. And sometimes the things that go beyond the physical hurt hurt just as bad and and can hurt even more than the physical hurt. Some of you, you've gotten your heart broken at some point or at multiple points in in romantic relationships. And that was supposed to be the relationship that was going to last forever and it was going to go the distance. And then for whatever reason, it went sideways and you got your heart broken. And it can be months or years down the road and it never really got healed. And that's a very very real pain for others of you you've dealt with severe financial hardship where you were without meaningful work for a long stretch of time and finances got so tight and so desperate you maybe didn't know where your next meal was going to come from you didn't know how you were going to pay the electric bill how you're going to pay the like you didn't know where your next thing was going to come from that's a very real pain some of you have faced an internal world that got broken An internal world that got broken, where inside of you there were things going on that you didn't understand and you didn't like what was going on inside and you couldn't fix what was going on inside. It could be a severe depression, it could be crippling anxiety, it could be insomnia or something else related to your sleep. It could be a social anxiety that makes normal interactions in relationships very difficult for you. That when your internal world breaks, it is a very real and a very difficult pain. deal with some of you you've had you've dealt with a loss that felt so random but it also was so real that it devastated you maybe it was the unexpected loss of a loved one or maybe it was the pain of a miscarriage maybe it was the pain of divorce maybe it was the loss of a of a home or a car through a freak accident you have faced the very real pain Of loss. Some of you, you face what we talked about so much over the last few weeks, the pain of relationships not working the way that you believe that relationships should work. Some of you, your children have become adults and the relationship that you have with them is nothing that you ever prayed or ever hoped for. The relationship became so damaged and broken over time that relationship has become very, very difficult. Some of you are on the other side of the coin where you are an adult and your relationship with your adult parents has become so strained and so difficult over time that you go, I don't even know how it could be ha- fixed. I don't know how it could be repaired. That is a very, very real pain and a real difficulty for you. Some of you are, are, are have, have gone through divorce, and there's not just the pain of the divorce and what happened before the divorce, but there's the pain of knowing that you that th- that, that relationship will never be what you once stood before God and vowed it would be, that that is a very, very real pain associated with some relationships. There's there's religious pain where maybe the church hurt you or a religious leader hurt you, or you were so disappointed by a religious leader that it's hard to actually experience a healthy, good relationship with religion right now. Maybe it's the pain of loved ones not knowing Jesus or not following him where you have a son or a daughter or an aunt or an uncle or a brother or sister or, or, or a coworker that you really, really care about where they're not following Jesus. And that actually causes you deep, deep pain. Maybe it's the pain of hopelessness where, where you kind of look and you go, like, will things always be like this? I mean, some of you over the last 18 months, you have looked at the world and after about one month and after two months and after three months and after six months and after nine months and after 10 months, you're like, is it ever going to be good again? Is it, like, like, is it just hopeless for the rest of life because I don't want to like, deal with this hopelessness forever. Some of you, you have the pain of runaway thoughts, where there are thoughts that take you to dark places that you don't want to be, but you don't know how to get them under control. Life is full of hurt, and life is full of pain. That's the bad news. That's the bad news, and the bad news is unfortunately really bad, and so if you tuned in today hoping for some real encouragement, and some real positivity, and some real, yay, we're gonna hear about Jesus, and how much he loves us, and like The bad news is unfortunately really bad that life is full of hurt and life is full of pain and following Jesus does not exempt you from any of the hurt and any of the pain of life, unfortunately. But the good news the good news is really good as well. The good news is really good that despite all of the pain and despite all of the hurt and despite the fact that Jesus doesn't exempt you from feeling the pain or feeling the hurt or experiencing the pain, experiencing the hurt, the good news is still that for every one of those hurts, God is our healer. For every one of those hurts, God is our healer. For the emotional hurt, for the physical hurt, for the pain of loss, for the pain of a diagnosis, for the financial hurt, for the relational hurt, for the hopelessness, for the religious trauma, for every single hurt, God is our healer and God has healing for you. He has healing for you. And to help us understand this today, I want to, I want to draw out something uh, something from Scripture. I want to draw our attention to something about God that comes to us from, from Scripture. And interestingly, this isn't going to come from any specific verse or passage uh, of Scripture. It's actually something that can be witnessed um, across the whole of Scripture. But specifically, as we go back to the Old Testament Scriptures, to the Hebrew Scriptures of, the, of what we know as the Old Testament, I want us to see something wonderful about the names of God that are used throughout Scripture. And when you go back and you read the documents of what we call the Old Testament and see them in Hebrew, there's a number of things that stand out. But one of the biggest things that stands out to people who have read the Bible in English their entire life and then see the Bible written in Hebrew is that, is that when in, in English we use the word, the name and the word God for God. We use, we use one name for the one God when you read through the the text of the the Hebrew scriptures, what you see is they used many names to describe their one God. They used many names to describe their one God. And they they used these names to try to describe the characteristics that they had learned to be true of God, that they almost almost served as as nicknames or, or affectionate names that they had based on what season they were going through and how they were experiencing and interpreting and understanding their experience with their heavenly father, and what they were knowing about, to be true about him. Where we use one name like God, the Hebrew authors of scripture use many different names to talk about God. And so today I actually want to teach you the different names of God that we experience in the Old Testament scripture. The first one is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. It means the all-sufficient one. It's the Lord God Almighty. Or to, to again, I remember when I heard this as a teenage boy one of the best translations of El Shaddai is actually the almighty breasted one. And what this kind con- of, I remember cracking, I remember actually my senior pastor standing in front of the church and saying, now I'm gonna make all the teenage boys laugh when I, t- when I say this. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna laugh. And then he said it and I was like, yeah, I laughed pretty good. But the, 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 the meaning behind El Shaddai is this idea that he is, the, he is able to sustain us from himself. He is the all sufficient one. He's the one who can feed and supply us with everything that we need from within himself. Just the same way that a mother nurses her children and it provides from her own body, God actually does the same thing. He is the El Shaddai. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the one who sustains us from within his own self. This is used a number of times in the book of Genesis. It's seven times total throughout the Old Testament. Then there's the name El Elyon. El Elyon, it's the most high God. This refers to God's supreme sovereignty and majesty. He is the highest preeminence in all, in all of heaven and earth. He is supreme over all. El Elyon, he's the most high God. This is used a number of times in Genesis and throughout Psalms. Then we have the name Adonai, Adonai, which, which means mastered. That, that we are called to serve our master. He, he's the most high God, and so we serve him. He's the master. This is used 434 times in the Old Testament. This is actually a parallel to the next name that we're going to talk about, which is Yahweh. If, if, if you've been around church or, or for any significant amount of time, you've heard the, the name Yahweh. This is the name that God revealed, how God revealed himself to Moses on Mount Sinai. He said, this is to be my name, my covenant name with my people Forever and Yahweh means Lord, Master, or Absolute Ruler. This is the promised name of God, and this is used six thousand five hundred nineteen times. Again, if you want to talk about the one name, the name that over like over every other name, this is this is Yahweh. Yahweh is the way that God wanted to be referred to personally. This is how God wanted us to speak to Him. Out of Yahweh, uh, they, they began to to. Kind of branch off with some nicknames, if you, if you would, some some subnames to talk about the characteristics that they knew to be true of their God. And so when we see a name like Jehovah, it's actually Yahweh something. It's the Lord who. Okay. So we, so as we go into these next few, you're gonna under, maybe understand that a little bit. So Jehovah is 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 a, a, a different spelling of Yahweh, a little bit of different pronunciation of Yahweh. It's to be used in a different way. So they had the name Jehovah Nisi which is the Lord, my banner, the Lord, my banner. And what's interesting in ancient times, people would go into battle behind a banner. There'd be a a banner going into battle. And as long as the banner stands, it provided hope. It provided encouragement. It provided a focal point for the people who were going to battle. And so when the Israelites would refer to Jehovah Nisi, they're saying the Lord is our banner. As long as he stands, which we know he stands forever, as long as he stands, he's our hope. He's our encouragement. He is our focal point. So when we get confused and we get lost, we know there's hope and we know we can put our eyes on him and receive encouragement. So there's Jehovah Nissi. Then there's Jehovah Ra, in which Jehovah Ra means the Lord, my shepherd. The Lord, my shepherd, meaning the Lord, he feeds and he leads the flock. Jehovah Ra has a significance of being a protector, of being a friend, of being a companion, that to those he is responsible for, God is our protector, our friend, our companion. He feeds and he leads us. That's found in Genesis, a couple times in Genesis. It's found famously in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's also found in Psalm 80. Then, then we have the name Jehovah Rapha, which is the Lord who heals. The Lord who heals. This is where we actually understand the connotation that God is the great physician. That, that in, in, the, in, in Old Testament scripture and in J- Jewish tradition, when they call God the, God the great physician, they're actually referring to Jehovah Ra, the God who heals, the Lord who heals. This is found in Exodus, in Jeremiah a couple times, in Isaiah a few times, in Psalm 103, this is found. Then we have the name Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. The Lord is here. The God has not abandoned or left us alone. He is present with us. He is the Lord who is present, the Lord who is there. Then we have Jehovah Sekainu. Jehovah Sekainu, the Lord our righteousness. That Sekainu has this connotation of righteousness, or also has this connotation of stiffness. His stiffness, meaning, That God is our righteousness, and he does not change, and he does not bend, and he does not move. He is not easily swayed, which is what makes him righteous. And when we follow him in his righteousness, we are not easily moved, and we are not easily swayed. Then we have Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who sanctifies the Lord who sanctifies, carrying the connotation that he cleanses us of our past, he cleanses us of our sin, cleanses us of of our mistakes, and he sets us apart for his purposes and for his plans and his righteousness. Then we have the name El Olam, El Olam, the everlasting God, the ancient of days. He is god forever. This comes to us from Genesis and Jeremiah and Isaiah, that God is the God who lasts for forever. He existed before you existed. He existed before anything existed, and he will exist at the end of all of it. He is God forever. He is the eternal one. Then we have the idea that God, that God is Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord, our provider. And in the context specifically, the one time this is used in Scripture in Genesis 22, it's in such a memorable fashion that this has become one of the key ways that God has been known actually in Christian circles forever because God provided the sacrifice that was needed to return a son to life. That was needed to return a son to his father. He's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. He's the one who brings us peace. He leads us into peace. He is our peace. He gives us rest from striving. He is our peace. And then finally, Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of heavenly hosts and heavenly armies. He is in control in the spiritual realm the same way that He is in control in the physical realm. This is used over 285 times in the Old Testament. And so what gets interesting to me is when you look back through Jewish tradition and, Jew- and 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 Old Testament tradition and all that kind of stuff, when the people of Israel would interact with people from other nations and other cultures or when people from other cultures would interact with the Hebrew scriptures they would, they would frequently think that Judaism was this polytheistic religion, much like the, the religions of the nations that they had come from. And the thinking was, oh, they okay, they, they have a God that they go to for healing and a God that they go to for provision, a God that they go to when they need peace, a God that they go to when, when they need to be made clean and when they need to be made righteous, a God they go to when they feel alone, and then they have a few gods that seem to outrank the other gods, and they have names like you know the Everlasting One. And the eternal one and the Lord above all lords and the master and all this kinds of like they, they have all these different gods, but their religion is no different from our religion. It works just like ours. They have all kinds of gods to go to when they have a particular need, just like we do in our religion with our gods. Their religion is exactly like ours. And and, and then the Jewish people would say, Oh, we're sorry, we're sorry for the confusion, we're sorry for the confusion. These aren't the names of different gods. Those are the characteristics that we know to be true of our one God. Those are the characteristics that we know to be true of our one God. See, we don't have to look to all kinds of different places and sources for our needs. We look to one person and to one place. to, to, To put this into context, they would be saying, we have one God that we go to for everything. We have one God that meets every need. We have one God that supplies everything that we need. We have one God that is able to fix everything that's been broken. We have one God that is able to provide everything that we need by and in himself. We have one God that we go to for everything. We have one God is our peace. Our one God is our peace and he's our provider and he washes us clean from our sins and he makes us righteous and he's our companion and he's our protection and he's our healer and he's our hope and he brings us clarity and he gives us direction and he sustains us. And in fact, we don't have to go to him in the in the first place because he's our ever-present help. And if that wasn't enough, he is the one and only God for all of time. We have one God that we go to for everything. And if, you're, if you hear that and you feel the same energy that, that I feel right now as I say it, this is the bottom line. This is, this is the driving thought as we begin this series, Healers, simply this. Our God is the one direction to run with everything that we, every need that we will ever have. Our God is the one direction to run with every need we will ever. There is no need that our God cannot meet. There is no need our God cannot provide. There is no brokenness our God cannot heal. There is no loneliness our God can't meet with companionship and intimacy. There is no internal chaos our God can't bring order to. There is no disease our God can't cure. There's no financial difficulty where our God cannot provide. There is no weakness and vulnerability that our God can't protect. There's no confusion so big that God can't provide clarity and direction. And there is no sin that our God can't meet with his salvation and his saving power. Our God is the one direction to run to with every need we will ever have. And if you're wondering what that should lead us to, what thoughts that should lead us to as as we begin this series, here's one thing that I just feel like I I, I need to say right into the camera for, for everyone to hear. It is time to stop turning to sources that are not God in attempts to find healing that only God can bring. Some of us, I mean, we haven't been turning to, to, to actual false gods, but we've been turning to alcohol and to pills and to shows that numb the pain and to experiences that try to avoid all the pain of, of, of the reality that we're dealing with. And it is time to stop turning to things that are not God to meet needs and bring healing that only God can. Can bring. If you find yourself in that place, if you find yourself in that situation where you find yourself turning to things that are not God to find healing that only God can bring, it is time to repent of that and to turn back in God's direction, to turn from the pills, to turn from the drinks, to turn from the shows, to turn from all of that kind of stuff, to turn to your heavenly father, because he's the only one that can actually bring the healing you need. What the shows, the drinks, the pills, the avoidance techniques that you have. All of that is boo-boo ice. And it does not actually get rid of the bump. It does not actually get rid of the bruise. Only our Heavenly Father can bring the real healing. And you're messing around with boo-boo ice when God has real healing for you. And it is time to stop turning to things that are not God to bring healing in an attempt to find healing that only God can bring. And so for the next The next few weeks of this series, here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time talking about areas that I believe God wants to bring healing for me, healing for you, healing for for all of us, healing across a number of different areas of our lives that I think sometimes we tend to ignore in church. Next week, we're going to talk about emotional healing. And we're going to talk about emotional healing because let's be honest, after the last 18 months, some of us are emotionally shot and we need emotional healing. Week three, we're going to talk about healing in our minds and the healing of our thought lives, healing for the mental battle that we fight day in and day out. And week four, we're going to talk about healing for our tomorrow, healing for our imagination, healing for some of us that we would have hope restored and and be able to find hope once again for the future. That's what we're gonna talk about for the next weeks. But today, I, 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 as we come to a close, I really felt led to talk about two specific ways that I think that God may wanna bring healing in your life today, like in this very moment in your life this week, whenever you're watching this. One of the key verses in scripture that talks about healing and that points um, to the day where Jesus would be our suffering savior comes to us from Isaiah chapter 53. It's a prophetic look ahead to what Jesus would ultimately accomplish for us. Isaiah, writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he wrote this in Isaiah chapter 53, starting in verse 3. He said this, he was despised and rejected, talking in the future about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Here's something that's so important for you to know and for me to know. Our Savior walked in our shoes our Savior walked in our shoes. I mean, when you read that, there's a reason that we read that and go, oh, that's about Jesus. Because that's about Jesus. Because when you look to the life of Jesus, when you look a few hundred years in the future, you go, oh my gosh, he was talking about exactly what Jesus would do, that he would walk in our shoes. And the good news for you and me is that when your faith is in Christ, you walk through pain with the God who became familiar with with pain. We are all invited into a relationship with a Savior who doesn't just hear our prayers and hear our cries. He understands where they come from, where the prayers and the cries arise from, where they come from, because He walked in our shoes. He felt our pain. We have a Savior who doesn't just meet our needs, but He felt our pain. Our Savior walked in our shoes. They went on in verse four to say, surely He took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Jesus not only became, would become familiar with pain and suffering, he took up our pain and he bore our suffering himself. He took up our pain. He took our suffering. He took the weight of our sin on himself. He felt our brokenness. not Not his own brokenness. He took up hours. And the good news again, you never face suffering alone. It's so interesting that again, Isaiah looking into the future could see that there would be those confused by the suffering of the savior. That some would see his suffering and think he was cursed. Some would think he was getting what he deserved. Some would take his suffering as a signal that he wasn't who he claimed to be because if he was who he claimed to be, he wouldn't be suffering the way he was. But Isaiah also looked forward and he saw this truth in verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. See, Jesus brings salvation for everything sin has broken. Jesus brings salvation for everything that sin has broken. See, your life and my life are ultimately not broken by bad luck and not ultimately broken by misfortune. Our lives and our world is broken because of sin. And it's not broken because of sin in some general context. It's broken because of our sin. It's broken because of our sin, because of my sin, because of your sin. And Isaiah spoke the truth when he said that Jesus would be pierced for our transgressions. He would be crushed for our iniquities. He would be take the punishment for our sin, that because of our transgressions, because of your transgressions against God, because of my iniquities against God, because of our sin against God, I deserve punishment. You deserve punishment from God. But in the ultimate injustice, in the ultimate signal of grace, Jesus took our place. Jesus took my place. Jesus took your place. He took my punishment. He took your punishment. He took our piercing. He took our crushing. He took what we deserve because of our sin against God so that we could receive peace, receive healing, and receive salvation for everything that our sin has broken and everything that our sin would break. Jesus took our place so that we could receive peace Healing and salvation from God. Jesus brings salvation for everything that sin has broken. And when I say for every need we'll we'll ever have, God is our healer. This includes the brokenness of our own souls. This includes all of the brokenness of our world that comes from our sin. There is no sin, no past, no present so great that Jesus's work on the cross cannot bring salvation and bring salvation and healing to your life today. For some of you, this is your moment. This is your moment to make a decision to receive the healing and the salvation that can only come not by your actions, not by your trying better, that can only come through faith in Jesus Christ, by looking to Him, by looking to our Heavenly Father as the one who provided salvation for you, as the one who can provide salvation for your broken soul. Jesus brings salvation from everything that sin has broken. And some of you right now, this moment, before this video ends, need to make a decision to put your trust in your heavenly father, to receive salvation from your broken soul. The second, the second thing that I feel really felt really led to discuss today comes to us from James chapter five, because some of us might be thinking, okay, well, well how do we turn to God for healing? Like, how how do we seek healing from God? Is there anything specific that that we should do? And if you're wondering that question, there's actually a really great answer. In James chapter five, starting in verse 13, it says this. Is anyone among you in trouble? Well, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. See, how do you, what do we do when we face trouble? We pray. What do we do when we're in joy? We praise. And what do we do when we're sick? We partner with prayers of those in the faith community. Here's, here's what we do to seek healing from God. We pray, we praise, and we partner. We pray, we praise, we partner. See, I could be a Baptist if I wanted to. I can do, I can do alliteration all, all day long. I, we pray, we praise, and we partner. Here's what I love about that. We pray because we seek God. We ask God for whatever we need. We bring our needs and our requests to our Heavenly Father who is listening, who is attentive, who hears our prayers, so we pray. We praise because we believe that God has victory for us, that even if we haven't seen it or experienced it yet, we believe he has it. And so we rejoice and celebrate and look forward to the day where we will experience what we know God has for us. And we partner with others because God has community for us and God wants to use the community of the church to be a blessing to us, to let us know that we are not alone. And because there is power in the prayers of partnership, we come together and we lift our voices collectively to our heavenly father because we know that when two or more gathered. He is among us. He is present with us. And the beautiful thing about that is I I, I love that we pray. I love that we praise. I love that we partner, but I love what's promised by God as a result of our prayers, as a result of our praise, as a result of our partnership. Here's what we are actually promised by God, that when we pray and when we praise and when we partner, sick people will get well. It might be right away. It might be at a a point over time. It might be at a future time in God's timing. But we're promised that sick people will get well. We're promised that the Lord will raise them up, that there'll be a lifting of spirits. There'll be an encouragement. There'll be a return of hope. And we're promised that sins will be forgiven. Those are some powerful, precious promises. And they're available to you They're available to me. They're available to all of us when we pray, when we praise, and when we partner with others in prayer. And so if you're wondering, how do we do this at home? Like, how do we do this from our home where we're watching today? Here's the good news. You can pray from wherever you are. You can pray on your couch, you can pray on your bed, you can pray out on your patio. You can pray from wherever you are. From wherever you are, you can pray and speak to your your heavenly Father. There is no special place, you do not need a church altar, you do not need a church service. You do not need any of that to speak to your heavenly Father. You can bring your need and your request to your heavenly Father anywhere, anytime, day or night. He will hear you. The other good news is that you can praise from wherever you are. You can praise from wherever. You don't need a church service to praise. You just need your voice. uh, I'm not so sure God wants to hear me singing. I bet he does. But here's the thing. You 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 only need your voice, but some of you you're like I also need an accompaniment track. You have in your pockets, in your hands right now, the very device that can help help you praise. You can start a Spotify playlist. You can start an Apple Music playlist. If you have bad taste in how to, in electronic equipment, you you can do all of that. That you can establish a playlist that help that reminds you that God has victory for you. That He is the w- the one who makes a way. That He is the one who supplies every need. That you can that you can sing along as others have written words reminding us that God is a God of victory, that God is a God who leads us forward, that he supplies and meets every need. You can praise from wherever you are. And then when it comes to community, this is where a small group is so important. This is where it's so good to have a group of people that you can pray with, that you can be genuine, that you can bring your requests to and say, can we pray right now? And can you be praying with me throughout the week? This is also why at the end of every service, we let you know that our that our that our email is is open that our that our messages are open that that we give you a number that you can call or message any any time day or night that you can message those message or call those numbers you can send an email our dms i mean you don't have to slide into our dms they are open for you we would love to if there is a need that you have we would love to know how we can pray for you and as, As Devin says, as I say every week, we would love to know how if there's a way that we can be a part as the church, as the people of God, to meet the needs of the people of God. Because sometimes God is going to answer our prayers and meet our needs through us and through the church being the church that God has called us to be. See, for every need that you will ever have, God is the healer. He's the healer for your broken soul. He's the healer for our emotional pain. He's the healer for our relational pain. He's the one who leads us forward. He's the one who provides every need. We have one God that we go to for everything. We don't turn to multiple directions. We don't turn to little sources. We don't turn to little G-gods. We turn to our Heavenly Father who has and is the answer for every bit of brokenness in our lives. He is the healer for every hurt. He is the healer for you today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are our healer. Thank you that you're the one who meets our needs. You're the only one who can meet our needs. God, thank you that whether the hurt is financial, relational, emotional, physical, uh, broken, broken relationships, uh, what, whatever the pain may be, God, you're the God who meets the need. You're the God who has healing for every hurt. And so God, in this moment, and I simply pray that we would refuse to look to anything that is not you for the healing that can only come from you. Help us to trust that you're our peace, that you're our healing, that you're our provider, that you're our sustainer, that you're our protection, that you're our clarity, that you're our direction, that, when, that we can trust you to meet every need and we can trust you to heal every hurt. So God, Today, we just simply ask that you you would give us wisdom, that you would give us strength of character and strength of mind to refuse to turn to anything else, but we'd consistently run to you. And God, I ask today that even right now, you would bring healing where healing is needed most. God, for people who right now are praying for a physical healing, God, I pray that you would bring physical healing right now. God, for people who are praying for emotional healing, I pray over the, right, that right now or over these next few weeks, you would bring emotional healing. God, for people who have financial difficulty, that they don't know how they're gonna make it through the week, I pray that you would be their healer and they, you would be their provider. God, for every hurt, be the healer. Do it right now. And God, I pray that we would have wisdom to come to you with everything. I pray that we'd have the courage to keep praying and to keep seeking you, even when the need hasn't been met in a moment. I pray that we'd keep coming to you because you are our healer. So God, be that healer right now. We pray this all in Jesus' strong name. We love you, God. Amen.